going to kick off announcements this morning, um, and I'm going to share a little bit about a, uh, a men's event that we had uh, last weekend. Do we have any slides, Jordan? Oh, we have slides. So this men's event is up at Fraser Park, and it's called Solely Business. And it started by a guy uh, who um, always has a question when you, uh, when you run across this man. Uh, he, even if he doesn't know you, he introduces himself, and he says, uh, and by the way, how's your soul? I love that question, you know, because it's a real honest question, isn't it? So there was about 175 men that gathered up at Fraser Park um, at, this, uh, at this Christian camp, and it's, re it's really cool. There's a Christian camp up there, and, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of funny because the evangelicals, you see, they have a Christian camp right here on, on Fraser uh, Mountain, right? Pine Mountain, they call it. Uh, but then you walk a few steps over here, and then, and then there's the Catholics, See, they got their own camp over here. And I've always been impressed that maybe one day we could, we could maybe um, uh, put both those camps somehow together. Because the one thing about men, whether you're a Catholic, you see, or you're an evangelical, meat is really... Because men eat a lot of meat. But we had a great time. There were five guys. There was actually four guys from here because one couldn't make it. He was sick. Thank you, Carl, for not showing up and bringing whatever sickness you had to the 175 men that were there. But really, this entire event is purposed around men gathering so that they can hear from their Heavenly Father. It's really that simple. And there's something special that happens. Apparently, God uses 6,500 feet in pine trees uh, to get the attention of men. And... So, men, I just want to share that uh, we had a great time. Um, there was uh, plenty to eat. We, we never leave hungry. Um, but I think the point is going to the mountain hungry. And if you go to the mountain hungry and you go with the question on your mind, how's your soul, um, you will indeed hear from your Heavenly Father, men. So if you want to sign up for the next solely that is coming in, what month is this? This is... This is November. <laughs> I know the year. <laughs> okay, so it's November. Um, so the next one is coming up in March. There's a sign-up if you would like to sign up to go uh, to this event uh, and really get in touch with your Heavenly Father and really find out how your soul is, then uh, you can check with me, me or Pastor Randy, either one. Got it? Good okay. to go. All right. I want to invite you after service. Uh, we are celebrating a baptism out on the patio, and as a church family, we always celebrate that, because to us, you know, uh, there's really nothing greater than seeing God work in a life, and then someone who wants to be baptized, so we're going to invite you after service. It's going to happen pretty quick. Uh, you can make your way over there. You still have time to grab coffee and donuts, and then it's going to go that way, uh, but we'd love to have you come out and celebrate uh, Aiden's baptism. We're looking forward to that. Uh, ladies, holidays are fast approaching. Saturday, December 2nd, there is a women's Christmas brunch. And we want to invite you to come on out. Um, why do we do these types of things? It's all relationship. It's relationship at its core. And so, ladies, uh, you can sign up online. I believe there might be sign-up sheets outside as well. Uh, Christine is also looking for seven ladies who might want to volunteer to help set up and kind of do the logistics. So you can, if you want to do that, you can sign up. I think she said there's a sign-up on the welcome card. You can put your name uh, next to your name. Just say volunteer or something. And she um, would love that. She's looking for seven ladies. And again, uh, start signing up. It's going to be a great event. 
And uh, also along the lines of church family, where I talked about Aiden and celebrating as a church family. You know, we use that, that phrase, uh, family, a lot around here, and it's not cliche. We really do mean it, and we love to celebrate milestones, and we also celebrate, you know, when, when life gets kind of rough and we have to grieve together. Um, but oftentimes there's a lot that we celebrate, uh, weddings, new births, and all that. And so we want to share with you uh, a celebration milestone as a church family. Uh, Many of you know Maya Norris, and she's um, been with us several years with her family, and so we want to celebrate that this uh, past Friday, she is now engaged. Yes. And uh, yeah, show the ring. They want to see the rock. There it is right there. So there it is. He's going to zoom in on the camera, so it's going to look really big at home. Uh, uh, but uh, Caleb Hester proposed uh, Friday night, and uh, she, he goes to Reality Ventura, so we're not sure if he's going to be able to make it. We, uh, we said, hey, why don't you text and see if he can come up after his service so everyone can meet him as well. But anyway, we just wanted to celebrate that as a church family. And uh, yes. And so... Uh, if, you, if you've been married any length of time, you know, pray for them. <laughs> if you've planned weddings, pray for them, right? Uh, so we're, we're just, we're, this is part of what we get to do here, just celebrate life together and do the journey together. And so we're very excited for you and excited to be able to share that. Well, good morning. 1961, Green Bay Packers Open Training Camp. And a famous phrase by Vince Lombardi was spoken very first day of training camp, 1961. The Green Bay Packers had just lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL championship game the previous season. So they show up to training camp. Vince Lombardi grabs a football, and he holds it up, and he says, Gentlemen, this is a football. Now, mind you, he's speaking to many of them who had played football since elementary school. They had just been to the championship game and lost. They're about to venture off into a new season, and Vince Lombardi begins this new season, and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. And what was the point? The point was that despite all their years of playing, all their accolades and achievements, even making it to the championship game last season. This season, we are starting with the fundamentals. This is a football. And I really appreciate that in light of what we've been doing the last several weeks, because as we're winding up the calendar year of 2023, and even as elders, we're seeking the Lord for the vision and the budget for 24. Sometimes as a church, and maybe I want to encourage you in your life, sometimes you need to call time out, get away. We had a very long, wonderful meeting as elders. We had to get away, and you have to come back to the fundamentals of your life. Your fundamentals of your life, your relationship with God, your finances, your health, your habits, your marriage, your parenting, your career. Congratulations again, Marvin, on your new job, right? <laughs> Sometimes life gets us going. Just go, 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 go. And it's not bad. A lot of good in there. But we just go and we go. How many of you 
sense that the pace of life has just, like we're here again on a Sunday, right? We're like, just, where, what was that week, right? And so we go, go, go. And, you know, when I thought of Vince Lombardi speaking to a championship caliber team and players, excellent, the best guys on the planet, they even had to say and start with, this is a football And I want to encourage you. We're doing that as a church, as a leadership team. We've said, Lord, we just need to carve out time and come back to the fundamentals of why we're here and what we're about so we just don't go into another calendar year just doing a lot of stuff because apparently, you know, in our life, we just feel like we're doing more action. Things must be happening because we're just busy. But sometimes, you know, we're kind of be on a treadmill where you can do a lot of action and you didn't get anywhere. Right? You can put miles on a treadmill and you step right off and you made no progress geographically. Well, sometimes in your life, sometimes as a church, we can get doing a lot of things. And because we lose sight of the fundamentals, we just keep adding. How many of you have felt like in overseas of life, you just keep adding things? Adding, adding, adding. And your schedule keeps getting filled up. And you're doing more. You're maybe even more tired at night. But you maybe if you pause long enough, you might say, did I make any progress? Are we actually advancing the ball down the field? Or are we just busy? Right? And so Vince Lombardi, incredible coach, incredible insight, says, you know what? We need to come back to the fundamentals. And since the last several weeks, last several weeks, we've been coming back to sort of the fundamentals of church. I really feel like it's strategic moving you know, post-COVID a few years, moving into 2024, many of you, just an incredible wave of new people have come and been called of God to be a part of the well. And so as a leadership team, we're really sensing that 2024 is a launching pad. We were birthed 13 years ago, kind of out of a lot of pain and turmoil. We used to kind of lovingly call ourselves the refugees. And God used this as a place of healing and restoration, stability, rooting, grounding in the faith and in church again. But I really sense and we sense that, you know, it's time to move forward. And God has brought incredible, talented people here. We're so excited. You know, Aiden getting baptized. Aiden's been here just a few weeks, you know, and God's moving. And so in that, we don't want to just pile stuff on. We're saying, okay, let's, let's, let's pause here. End of 2023. Let's look at some fundamentals. And so we've been asking some fundamental questions the last several weeks, months. Like, why are we here on a Sunday? Why are we here and what are we supposed to do? This thing called church, right? And so several weeks ago, we looked at Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So fundamentally, we saw we're here because God commands us to not neglect meeting together. And what are we supposed to do when we're here? Encourage one another. The ministry is corporate when we're together. Oftentimes, you come to church, and it's everyone up here. That's not really. That's a clergy-laity distinction that really doesn't exist in the church. When we gather, your ministry is to one another. So turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. I encourage you. Hang in there. Right? Right? And we work through that because in our consumerism, in our culture, our consumer-driven culture, it's about me. And really, we saw 
It's about we. The church is the redeemed, the called out ones. So it's the big we. Amen? Everyone say we. We. Right? And that's kind of challenging because we live in a me-centered, consumer-driven culture. And many of that, those values and thoughts and attitudes have come into the church where we, we call it on my end of things, church shopping. And we visit different churches with a consumer mindset thinking that the church is supposed to meet my needs. The kids program, the worship, the men's, the women's, and we vet churches based on a consumer mentality, and that's really detrimental to health, personal and and corporate health. So really the church is a we. We gather because God says, hey, don't neglect meeting together. And when you get together, when we get together, we're to encourage one another. You you hear me say repeatedly, church starts long before 10 a.m. We have a crew that comes in here around 8 o'clock, and they're doing the donuts, and they're setting up. People are setting up outside. Men's group is meeting at 9. There's a whole lot of church from 8 o'clock on. In fact, the bridge crew, they arrive 7 to 7.30 in the morning to already fire things up and make sure all the tech's working. Church is happening way before 10 a.m., and some of you all don't leave till like 1 or 2. That's fine. We love you. We want you to hang out. That's why we have the kids thing, and we enjoy that. That's why we have the coffee and donuts. We enjoy that. But it's Church is the whole experience, amen? Because it's designed for us to encourage one another. That's why it's worth it. That's why we get up and do what we do, okay? And then, so we said, why are we here? What are we supposed to do? And then we looked at this word called fellowship, really kind of churchy word. It's on the sign outside, right? It says the well, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. And we said, what is fellowship? What does that even mean? Because oftentimes, if you grew up in the church, there's a fellowship hall, and when we say we fellowship, that means potluck, right? And so if you're, if you're not careful, fellowship is a location or an activity. When truth be known, fellowship is a relationship. If you are a believer, you are already in fellowship with the believers in this room and on the globe. You are in fellowship. So really what that sign should say out, it should say, Ojai Valley Christians in fellowship. That's what the sign biblically should say out there. Because out of the relationship of fellowship that we already have in Christ, then we do things. Then we have potlucks. Then we have women's brunches. Then we have men's events. The activities flow out of relationship. Okay, so we looked at that word fellowship. We spent the last couple weeks looking at worship. Right, and again, a worship is a a churchy word. Often we define it as what we just did here, right? Singing requires microphones and, you know, song lyrics. When really we've seen the last few weeks that worship is about your heart. The word worship biblically in the Old Testament and the New Testament really means to prostrate or to kneel before someone out of awe and reverence. doesn't mean you physically have to do that, but it should be a heart of reverence and a heart of awe because you're in the presence, in our case, of God, right? So when we, when we prayed today and when we, before we sang, my heart's desire in that time of prayer was to make us carve out time and make us consciously aware that worship is what we've seen, worship. That's the etymology of the word, worship, because God is worthy. We sing out of him being here. Amen? That's worship, right? And so today we're going to ask another question, kind of back to the fundamentals. Why is it 
when I go to this thing called church at the well, why do they always have a sermon? Some people are like, I didn't even know that was a legit question to ask. I thought they're supposed to. That's the job. Why do we have a sermon? Why can't I just do something else? Why do we have the word or a sermon when you come to church? You ever ask yourself that? Why do we have that and then what are we supposed to do with that? And so we're going to look at that. But fundamentally today, I'm hoping that we'll have a united understanding biblically of why we even preach. Why do we open the Bible every Sunday? What's the point? When the, you know, why? Versus just, oh, because that's what they do, I think, and there's sermon notes, so I guess I'm supposed to take notes. And then it becomes like school because we sit you in rows and you sit very quietly and you're not supposed to talk like school. And, and so it becomes like almost a lecture and then it becomes very school-ish. Is that church? Is that why we have it? Because I'm like, this is glorified school? What is, what is the point of having a sermon or the word of God preached? When we gather, okay, and we're going we're gonna to look at that, and, and primarily we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth, right? And we're going to walk through this. You can leave that up there. I read it again. It says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is a church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So the first thing that Paul does is he calls the church the household of God. The household of God. And, and right away, we are challenged with our view of church. Because I said before, is a church just an organization? Are we just an organization, sort of like a glorified Lions Club? Is that how you view church? You go to church, it's a location, it's an institution? Is that what church is? Now, there's a, there's a corporate side to it. We're a 501c3. We have to file papers with the Secretary of State. You have to do taxes and all that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, biblically, are we just an institution? So you got up this morning and you came to an institution. I hope not. No, I mean, I don't know about waking up on a Sunday, dragging myself early, right? And who wants to wake up on a Sunday morning early when all your neighbors are sleeping and say, where are you going? To an institution. What are you going to do there? Institution stuff. And if we're good, we get coffee and donuts when the institution... Is this just an institution? Is this an organization? Is this just mechanical and we're about efficiency and administration and walking through a roadmap and making sure everything goes just right? See, because if we slide into, in, into institutionalism and focusing on this as an organization, you know what happens? The life just gets sucked right out of this. Because that's not even biblical. That's not even biblical. The church is an organism. Everyone say organism. 
It's an organism. Now, we're organized. We have a leadership meeting at 8 o'clock. We go through the roadmap. We get all the cues, all the announcements. There's a whole lot of organization that goes into a healthy organism. Our concern isn't necessarily success, efficiency, and all of the organizational markers. You know what our number, my number one concern is? Is the health of this body. That's a radically different way for us as leaders to approach the church. Are we healthy? Not are we getting a lot done. I was at a very large church. I served at a very, very large church in, in Oceanside. Thousands of people would come. And outwardly, it was great. We was so big. They had trams. that we, you, The parking lots were so big. We had a tram ministry where they had little golf carts, and they would pick people up. And That was that big. Looked beautiful, pristine. So unhealthy. It was a revolving door. People would come for a little bit. It was like, you know, uh, Disneyland. They had those old Discovery Zone playgrounds with the tunnels. We built that. It, it was beautiful. Organizationally, it looked great. As an organism, very unhealthy. Staff burned out every two years. People revolving door. Families would come, get all excited, and then just fizzle. And we were exhausted. We were exhausted. We were there for like two years, and I think we counted a turnover rate of like 20 staff in two years. Because you just drove 60, 80-hour weeks because the organization was, that's how we focused. It's radically different when you say, what's the health of the organism? Because this is a very healthy body as far as we're concerned as elders. There's no perfect church. But by and large, we are very healthy here. Amen. I mean, that, that's just, we're healthy. And, and that's our focus is on the health. So right off the bat, we, we have to say, okay, Lord, when I get up in the morning, what am I coming to? Am I coming to an organized institutional service? Or am I coming to something as part of an organism, the body of Christ? Right? Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Everybody in here, every believer is part of this organism. It's not just us up here. It's the big we again. We are an organism called the body of Christ. And so fundamentally we focus on health, which means we focus on relationships around here. Okay? came across this story and it it really, again, I I thought it was like, this is so good because it talks about the challenges of the American church and how we do church now. It says this, I read recently of an American missionary in Papua New Guinea who asked a native for the best route to get from one place to another. The native, with a puzzled look on his face, replied, There are all kinds of routes, friend. He continued, We could go through the bush and visit some friends along the way, or we could take the coastal route. The sun will be strong, but an old man lives there, and he knows many stories from World War II. If we take the road, we can talk to some members of my wife's family who live on this side of the river. The missionary was getting frustrated with all of this, thinking, quote, He just doesn't get it. I want the best route. Then it hit him. His American idea of best was the most efficient, easiest way to get there. The Papua New Guinea idea of best was determined by which relationships you wanted to build. Right? Which relationships you wanted to build determined the best route. 
But we want, as the crow flies, A to B, right? How many, I'll just use the guys. How many men, dads, when you're planning a trip, it's efficiency, speed, get there, right? No detours, right? I did youth ministry for many, many years, and there's a lot of planning to take kids to camp and to take kids to wherever we would go. And, you know, we would meet with leaders, and we'd have the car assignments, and we would say, this is where we're going, and we're going to caravan, and this is where we're going to stop for lunch. I didn't realize that in my efficiency that I had inadvertently communicated to the volunteers, the drivers, and to the kids that you better go to the bathroom before we leave the church because Richie ain't stopping for anybody (laughs) until we get to lunch. Right? And so it was so funny in my desire to be efficient and get everyone as a group from point A to lunch, people having to use the bathroom. Anybody in a family trip? Anybody? Drivers? Like dad? How long till we get there? I don't know, like 30, 45 minutes. Why? Well, I kind of got to go. And me being efficiency-minded will often say, how long can you wait? And am I touching any histories? Am I like, any, am I like dredging up anything, right? Anything from the family? Like, I think I can wait longer. I'm like, okay. I took that. Didn't ask much long. We were just going to keep going. So I just plow ahead. Dad? How much longer? I don't know. We still got a ways to go. I really have to go. And you know at that moment you should have stopped when they first said? Because when they say you really have to go, it is crisis mode and there is no exit. Anyone? And then you're just, now you just went to full scramble mode. Because in your desire to get to point B as quickly as possible, your child is now in panic mode, and the entire trip is ruined, and they're hoping that dad, right, dad, just pull off anywhere, right? And so I share that with you because even as a church, we can get wired as organizational and institutional become very effective, and we miss the relationship, the journey along the way, amen? So I just want to encourage you, don't miss the journey. Don't miss the relationships with the people right around you right now. This is, we're on a journey, okay? And, and it is like a road trip. And we try really hard to make things go well and effective and, you know, even the little buzz. I, do a, I have a 9.30 sound check for this thing. So we did a 9.30 sound check today. Everything was fine. And then right when I'm doing announcements, you hear the feedback and the crackling, right? So they're in panic mode. And that's why Jordan came up and checked during, Right? We want to do our best, but how many of you would just say life happens? Despite all your planning, despite all your best intentions, life just happens. And if we're wired and we get so tunnel vision to efficiency, effectiveness, and streamline everything, we can miss what God wants to teach us. And we can actually miss the joy of the journey with those right next to us. All right? So we're the household of God. We're in the road trip. We're in the van. 
We're taking the long road trip, okay? And some of you have jumped on the van and welcome. And some of you, we've celebrated and they're with Jesus. They rode the van for a while and they're with Jesus. That's just part of the journey because we're the household of God. We're a family, okay? And then the apostle Paul says, we are the house of God. Get this, the church of the living God. He didn't say just the church of God. He said the what? Living God. Years ago, the newsboy had a song. Maybe you might remember it. God's not dead. God's not dead, right? My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion, right? God's not dead. So when you woke up this morning to come to church, did you come to the church of the living God? Or did you come to an institution of some deity out in space that is distant and disconnected? What did you come to? Did you come to the church of the living God? The living God. Like, I don't even know how to make that word more powerful. The living God. Right? I came across this in our daily bread. It says, one day several years ago, the phone rang in the church office of the church in Washington, D.C., where the president sometimes attended. An eager voice said, hey, do you expect the president to be there Sunday? The person on the other end said, that I cannot promise. But we do expect God, and we fancy it will be incentive enough for a reasonably large attendance. Now, I grew up in a parachurch ministry working with a guy in San Diego, and he knew he was an ex-NFL player, and he knew a bunch of the Chargers. I met the Chargers, and I know that we would do events where Chargers would come and give their testimonies, and it would be a draw because, you know, Junior Seau or somebody else would be there. And, and it was, we know that in our humanness, we're connected to celebrity. But we're the church of the living God. And I like what he said. We do expect God. And we fancy it will be incentive enough for a reasonably large attendance. <laughs> like, I love that, right? I mean, where are you going? The living gods at 1290 grand. <laughs> He's also down the street at the Baptist church and church, you know. This is the church of the living God. And so my hope and my prayer is that when you come, this paradigm shift, God's speaking to your heart, that you're coming to be a part of a family of God. And on Sundays, we gather as the family of the living God. And I hope is when people attend here, that actually, you know, sometimes you hear this phrase, it's what's caught, not what's taught. I'm hoping that we will, when people come here, they kind of leave here and go, man, that was kind of cool. We often hear, they're so loving, you, meaning you, because you interact with the visitors, you guys are so loving. You're so friendly. You, you know, you, you ask me things and you got a donut. Why? What they're really saying is, I felt like family. That's our heart around here. That's what I hope visitors get. And then I hope when people come that they kind of sit back and they go, whoa, they actually believe God's there. Think about that for a second. I spoke at a church years and years ago. And, you know, I did what I'm doing right now. And afterwards, it was a kind of a large church. A guy came up. And I'm not still to this day not sure why he felt the need to, to say this. 
I think it was kind of like a, a compliment or something. He came up, and he says, hey, you know, thanks for that. And, and, and then he kind of said, you know, but I'm not a believer. I'm kind of a, you know. And he goes, yeah, but I really appreciate, you know, your enthusiasm. He goes, he goes, yeah, but I'm not a believer. But it's really clear that you actually believe this. <laughs> I mean, and I'm like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do, you know. But isn't that like, what a, if nothing else, I would hope that as a church, when people come and visit, they are loved by the family of God and that they leave here and go like, they actually believe that. They sing like God's there. They pray like God's listening. They love with God's love, you know. At the very least, there is an experience, Mark talked about, there is an experiential component to our gatherings. And I hope that people will experience the family of God and the living God when they come here. What they do with their response to the gospel, that's between them and God. But we can love them. And we can worship the living God together. Right? And so Paul says, you know what? This is what you do. You're the household of God, the living God. You're the household of God, the church of the living God. And then he says this, 1 Timothy 3.15. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And then he says this, a pillar and buttress of the truth. This is very important. This, this answers the question, why do we do a sermon here? Why do we open up scripture every time we're together? It's when he says that the church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. Can you put that back up, uh, Chris, back there? Chris, can you put that back up? The very last phrase there, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, we're going to camp here for just a little bit because it's very important. In many versions of the Bible, okay, that's the ESV. In the NIV and other versions, you might say, if you have one right now, it says a pillar and foundation of the truth. Okay, this is where we need to kind of get a little bit serious here. Some people have one, and if if you have a version that says foundation of the truth, some churches, some organizations have misconstrued that to mean that the church is the foundation of the truth, which means they determine the truth, which means they are the source and ultimate authority of truth. They've, they've, they've taken the verse and they've not correctly studied it, okay? That's why I love the ESV. If you put it back up again, it doesn't say foundation. It says a pillar and what? Buttress of the truth. Now, ancient temples, you've seen the Roman ruins. They have huge pillars, right? What do the pillars do? Support. They support. And then pillars also, if you've seen pictures, there's a pillar. And what's on top of the pillar? A statue, right? So the pillar either provides support for the temple or it's used to display something, right? Now, this other word is really, I think, kind of the most important one and one we don't use much. It says a buttress, right? What is that, right? Well, here's, here's a picture. These are called flying buttresses. Those things coming off at an angle off the cathedral there, right? Those are buttresses. Do we have another one as well? I think that's Notre Dame, right? Those are called flying buttresses. A buttress is something that supports or strengthens, 
So the apostle Paul says, hey, the church is not the foundation, meaning the ultimate source, the ultimate authority of truth. The church supports and strengthens the truth, which is God's word. Amen? So when we get together, the reason we open God's truth is because God designed the church, the household of God, to support and strengthen God's truth. That's what we do. It's not my opinion. It's not Bill's opinion. Our calling is to be a pillar and buttress of truth. God's truth. That's what we do. That's why every Sunday, whoever's up here will go to God's truth. That is our calling, right? Psalm 18. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. John 17, 17. Jesus. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Breathed out by God. That's why I believe the inspiration of scripture. Okay? John 8.32. What does the truth do? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth... And the truth will set you free. So foundationally, at the core, back to the fundamentals, why, are we always, why do you guys just always open the Bible? Right? Why do we teach the Bible in kingdom kids? The kids right now are getting the Bible. You come here on Wednesday night, they get the Bible. Men's ministry, women's ministry, everything around here is God's truth. Why? Because we are called to be the pillar and buttress of God's truth. Even if you come for premarital counseling <laughs> I check my schedule <laughs> Well, you don't want to come to me? I get it. I get it. Aubrey, call me. We'll talk. When people have come to me for premarital counseling, it's great. I love it. But I will often say at the very beginning Say, hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm excited for you. I'm glad you want to come to premarital counseling. But just a reminder, I'm a pastor. We believe in God's word here. So we're going to look at marriage from a biblical worldview. We're going to look at what God says. Because even in premarital counseling, we are to be a pillar and buttress of God's truth. Right? In 30 years of ministry, I've had people come to counseling for a lot of different reasons. And ultimately, we always get, once we talk and we figure out what's going on at home or in the marriage or whatever... It will inevitably come to this. What does God's word say about this? Even at the personal level, whether it's corporate here on a Sunday, down to the very personal level, we're to be pillars and buttresses of God's truth. We open God's word. That's what we do around here. Okay, because that's what we're called to do. And so it's interesting because he says that we are the church of the living God. We are to support, raise up, display God's truth. But in Hebrews 4, we learn that God's word is living. Check this out. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Check that out. The word of God is what? Living and active, right? I, Isaac, can I borrow your... I would use my your Bible. I would use my iPad, but it doesn't really have the same effect. 
Bible. Is it just an academic work that we read and study, like your history books, your philosophy books, your psychology books? No. Because according to Hebrews 4.12, this is living. This is dynamic. There is power in this book. It's written by God. It's truth. It is, it is living and active. So we are the church of the living God displaying the living word, the active word, the dynamic, powerful word of God. It's so much more than, than just coming here and hearing me lecture kind of like a, a religious studies class. No, this is like, I come up here and I'm like, Lord, I'm prepping during the week. I'm like, okay, I get the passage. And I'll study it so make sure that I do it right and it's correct and it's in context and it's rightly dividing it. But then you know what I say? I say, Lord, but what do you want to say through your word this Sunday? Your word is living and active. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. You know who's going to be there. You know where they are. Lord, what do you want to say through your word because it's living and active? That's the supernatural game changer. Amen? I keep, you know, if what, I hope you're hearing that what we're doing right now, biblically, is a supernatural, miraculous work of God. This is the body of Christ created supernaturally by God. We are the called out ones. We gather around the church of the living God. At this very second, 1059, on November 12th, this is the church of the living. And we're proclaiming the living word. There should be life. This is why when, when you come to Jesus, you have life. I came to give you life and life abundantly. You like, wake up. I mean, I don't know. I look back in my life, and there, before I knew Jesus, I was going through a lot of stuff, but I was just in a funk. I was spiritually dead, just doing what everyone did, talking like, and just in the, uh, you know. And then I come to know Jesus, and boom, there is like, dude, this is, this is legit. There's life here. We're not just coming to an institution to do a service and read a book and talk about a book. No. It's not why I'm here anyway. This is the living God. This is like crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's still crazy to me. What's even crazy, and I tell the leaders this, it's crazy that even one of you come here. Now you go, what does that mean? We don't pay you. I believe God, I pray, God, this is your church. You draw who you want here. And when you all come, I'm like, I don't even know what to make of it. Seriously, I, I don't know what to make of it. And I just give that up to God. And all we do here, not all, but what we do here is we preach the living word of God through the power of the living Holy Spirit. And we leave the results to him. We leave the results to him. Right? So God's word is living. And then, check this out. We have the living God. We preach the living word. And he points us to the living Savior. Who is the truth? John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the what? Truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we are to church of the living God. We proclaim the living word of God. Why? So people can know the living Savior of God. Who is the truth? That, I mean, I'm just like, dude, that's awesome, right? 1 Corinthians 15. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus is alive. I mean, right? And then what does that mean for us? Romans 6, 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of life, now we also may live, what? New lives. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I got to tell you, if you just ponder what we're talking about, we are the church of the living God. We are the pillars. We display the living, active word of God. Why? So people can come to a living faith in the living Jesus. And then live your life supernaturally in newness. It's all about living, 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 living. And then on top of it all off, our names are written in the book of life, so we live forever. It's all about life. It's all about life. It's living. That's what we want. You know, that brings us such great joy. You know, when we see God moving in, in Aiden's life, and Aiden wanted to get baptized, that is more than just an institutional ritual. To us, we're like, that is so cool. He wants to what? Yeah, Aiden said he wants to get baptized. What? It's not like we're strong arming and you got to do this or you can't. No. When God stirs people to get baptized or to receive Christ for the first time or rededicate their lives, and we see that as a supernatural act of God, you can't help but just go, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is incredible right here that this many of you in Ojai come and every Sunday I'm just like wowed. I just literally am wowed. I look at the cars out there. I'm like, oh. And that is what I love because from about when it gets warm enough, we have people walking and riding their bikes going back and forth here. And right now, all these people who are walking by, I hope they see the cars and they go, wow. Look at all those people. Look at all those people. And many of them, when we're out there talking and fellowshipping, they're watching and listening to you. And you know what is a draw to some of them? Life. There is joy here. There's people sharing lives, and you guys are talking. You're more loud out there than you even know. It is so great to see that, you know, people walking by this go. It is so cool to see because it's about a testimony to the living God, right? That's what we're about. Romans 10, 17 says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the living God, we preach the living word of Christ. There's the living Jesus. So when we preach that, what is our desire? Faith. Because faith comes from hearing the living word of God. We proclaim the living word of God. The spirit of truth speaks. And he does what only he can do. We just have to be faithful to do our part. Right? That's why it's so important I encourage you when you're out and you're sharing your faith and speaking your faith to others, share the word of God. Oftentimes we are, we're afraid because we're talking about we don't want to debate and argue, especially in our culture, right? You know, you, if you watch YouTube videos, people just get into it. Ah, and there's a lot of anger and rage. Here's my encouragement to you. Share God's word. 
plant a seed of God's living word in that person and trust that God through the Holy Spirit can speak to that person long after you're gone. That is the key. Because a lot of times we get caught up, oh, I'm scared of witnessing. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? Da, 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 da. What if they get angry? No. You don't even have to. You can focus on sharing the living word of God with them. And then let the Holy Spirit speak to their hearts over time. That's what people did when, when I was in a journey and I had some believers come around me in college. They didn't, we didn't debate. We didn't know that. Every once in a while, we'd be in a conversation. They'd say, hey, you know, the Bible says this. I'm like, I didn't know that. And little by little, they would just plant seeds of biblical truth. They would just kind of share with me, hey, you know, the Bible says this about that. And hey, you know. And they were just planting seeds. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what they were doing. That is why we, there's so much joy. We get to be Christ's ambassadors in this valley. But just share the word of God. Verses. Don't get preachy. Just share Share verses, right? Something that was helpful for me in my journey coming to faith, something you, maybe you know about, it's called the Romans Road. So at one point, someone just said, hey, have you ever heard the Romans Road? I'm like, no, right? Because I thought it was a good moral person and all that kind of stuff. And so they said, Romans Road, Romans 3.23 says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm part of the all. All have sinned. All of, yeah, okay, I get that. Romans 6.23 well, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just those two verses. I was like, wait, all have sinned. Okay, that means I'm part of the all. I get it. Okay, Romans. And then Romans 6.23. Wow, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just those two verses got my head thinking. Wait, I'm part of the all that have sinned. There's a problem because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. They shared those verses and the Holy Spirit. I just, they would just come up every once in a while. I'm like, huh, I never looked at it that way, right? I didn't know all about all these churchy terminologies. I just knew based on Romans 3.23 and 6.23 that I had a problem called sin and that God had made a solution through Jesus Christ. It was that simple. And I got my heart Speaking, like, where am I with God? Fundamentals, where do I stand with God? Where do I stand in eternity? And it's interesting because, see, people, we can hear God's word in a lot of different ways, especially today. Podcasts, TV, literature, there's all kinds out there. And I was thinking about this, you know, if you watch football or any sport events, what, what will you often see behind the goalposts? Right, started several, several years ago. Right, how many of you have ever seen a John 3.16 sign? Right? Right, yeah, I think, do we have a picture of one of those, Chris? Right? I don't know if, right? Look for one today if you watch a football game. They're still up every once in a while. They used to be really popular. But you see what can happen there? Someone, wherever they are in their station of life, might be watching that game and go, John 3.16, what is that? What does that even mean? They might find a Bible. They might Google it these days. And they go to John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That can save a soul in someone's living room who is watching a football game. Because it's the living and active word of God. 
through the spirit of truth. And somebody, because they saw a sign and heard the word of God by reading it online or however they read it, the Holy Spirit speaks to them and they get saved. That's the supernatural component of this. That's the power of God's living word, right? Some of you know my story of coming to faith. I was a seeker, grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, didn't really understand you know, personal faith and all that kind of stuff, and uh, met my wife, and we were dating, and I was seeking, and you know, I was in an apartment. I was going to UCLA. I had an apartment with a roommate in Venice. And one afternoon, after all these months, whatever I was seeking, and I decided just to turn on that Christian TV, my roommate wasn't home this afternoon. I'm like, ah, oh, just watch some, let me see this Christian TV, right? And you got to be careful, stuff out there. But I was watching this Christian TV, and I listen, and I'm just, in, and then, you know, if you ever watch Christian TV, like a sermon or something or whatever, you, you, ever, you know, if you watch, you say, and if you're at home, and you're watching, and I'm like, okay, this is getting weird right here. And God's speaking to you about your need for a Savior. And I'm like, I hope my roommate doesn't come in because it's getting really strange. You can pray this prayer with me right where you're at. Like, really? I can do this? He's like, yeah, you bow your head. If you want, you can kneel down. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I kid you not, like, I'm, I'm working through this, and the guy on TV is walking me through this salvation thing because it was God's time, and da, 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 da. And I'm literally listening for him if my roommate's going to walk in, scared to death that he's going to be like, yo, what are you doing, bro? He didn't. And in that moment, I look back on that moment, and that was where I had heard the word of God, and I had come to faith by hearing of the word of God. In my apartment, with some guy, I don't even remember, on Christian TV, saying, if you're at home, and God's speaking to you, it was just time. Amen? So we never know when it's time. But we get to be God's vessels. To just plant the seeds. Plant the seeds. Share. And then when, when it sprouts, we celebrate. Right? They call it watering. Some of you will be, you know, Cast, some will water, and some will be there when you harvest and someone comes to faith. That's, that's, all, that's all that we do, right? Because before, it used to be, you know, like if I, if I felt like, oh, okay, I have to share my faith, then I have to close the deal, right? You ever do that? Like you have to close the deal. Like you share Jesus and you share the gospel and you're like trying to finagle it around to get them to say the prayer, right? And, you don't, have to sh- you don't have to close the deal. You can ask, but you don't take it personal. Just share. Amen? I love this uh, quote, uh, Chris. We'll go down that quote by Bill Bright. He says this. Successful witnessing is taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. That's freeing. You share the word of God, the living word of God, you share your heart, you share your testimony, and you leave the results to God. That's liberating. Share life. Celebrate what God's doing in your life. It's all good. It's all good. Right? 
So we are the church of the living God. We are pillars, buttresses of the living word of God. Why to point people to the living savior of God, Jesus? Why? So they can have a living faith. A living dynamic faith for as many days are on this planet and then for all eternity. It's all about life and living. A supernatural, Holy Spirit-filled life. It's a journey together. And I am privileged to do it with you. As a family of God in the church van called the well, the RV, right? And if some of you have to use the bathroom along the way, that's fine too. Well, well, it's fine. Because we all know we're, this is not it. One day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we will all be there as a family of God. And we'll celebrate the life that we have in Jesus. Amen. We're going to kick off announcements this morning, um, and I'm going to share a little bit about a, uh, a men's event that we had uh, last weekend. Do we have any slides, Jordan? Oh, we have slides. So this men's event is up at Fraser Park, and it's called Solely Business. And it started by a guy uh, who um, always has a question when you, uh, when you run across this man. Uh, he, even if he doesn't know you, he introduces himself, and he says, uh, and by the way, how's your soul? I love that question, you know, because it's a real honest question, isn't it? So there was about 175 men that gathered up at Fraser Park um, at, this, uh, at this Christian camp, and it's, re- it's really cool. There's a Christian camp up there, and, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of funny because the evangelicals, you see, they have a Christian camp right here on, on Fraser uh, Mountain, right? Pine Mountain, they call it. Uh, but then you walk a few steps over here, and then, and then there's the Catholics, See, they got their own camp over here. And I've always been impressed that maybe one day we could, we could maybe um, uh, put both those camps somehow together. Because the one thing about men, whether you're a Catholic, you see, or you're an evangelical, meat is really... Because men eat a lot of meat. But we had a great time. There were five guys. There was actually four guys from here because one couldn't make it. He was sick. Thank you, Carl, for not showing up and bringing whatever sickness you had to the 175 men that were there. But really, this entire event is purposed around men gathering so that they can hear from their Heavenly Father. It's really that simple. And there's something special that happens. Apparently, God uses 6,500 feet in pine trees uh, to get the attention of men. And... So, men, I just want to share that uh, we had a great time. Um, There was uh, plenty to eat. We we never leave hungry. Um, But I think the point is going to the mountain hungry. And if you go to the mountain hungry and you go with the question on your mind, how's your soul, Um, you will indeed hear from your Heavenly Father, men. So if you want to sign up for the next solely that is coming in, what month is this? This is... This is November. I know the year. <laughs> okay, so it's November. Um, so the next one is coming up in March. There's a sign-up if you would like to sign up to go uh, to this event uh, and really get in touch with your Heavenly Father and really find out how your soul is, then uh, you can check with me, me or Pastor Randy, either one. Got it? Good okay. to go. All right. I want to invite you. After service, uh, we are celebrating a baptism 
out on the patio. And as a church family, we always celebrate that because to us, you know, uh, there's really nothing greater than seeing God work in a life. And then someone who wants to be baptized, so we're going to invite you after service. It's going to happen pretty quick. Uh, you can make your way over there. You still have time to grab coffee and donuts, and then it's going to go that way. Uh, but we'd love to have you come out and celebrate uh, Aiden's baptism. We're looking forward to that. Uh, ladies, holidays are fast approaching. Saturday, December 2nd, there is a women's Christmas brunch. And we want to invite you to come on out. Um, why do we do these types of things? It's all relationship. It's relationship at its core. And so, ladies, uh, you can sign up online. I believe there might be sign-up sheets outside as well. Uh, Christine is also looking for seven ladies who might want to volunteer to help set up and kind of do the logistics. So you can, if you want to do that, you can sign up. I think she said there's a sign-up on the welcome card. You can put your name uh, next to your name, just say volunteer or something, and she um, would love that. She's looking for seven ladies. And again, uh, start signing up. It's going to be a great event. And uh, also along the lines of church family, where I talked about Aiden and celebrating as a church family. You know, we use that, that phrase, uh, family, a lot around here, and it's not cliche. We really do mean it, and we love to celebrate milestones, and we also celebrate, you know, when, when life gets kind of rough, and we have to grieve together. Um, but oftentimes, there's a lot that we celebrate, uh, weddings, new births, and all that. And so we want to share with you uh, a celebration milestone as a church family. Uh, Many of you know Maya Norris, and she's um, been with us several years with her family, and so we want to celebrate that this uh, past Friday, she is now engaged. Yes. And uh, yeah, show the ring. They want to see the rock. There it is right there. So there it is. He's going to zoom in on the camera, so it's going to look really big at home. Uh, uh, But uh, Caleb Hester proposed uh, Friday night, and uh, he goes to Reality Ventura, so we're not sure if he's going to be able to make it. We uh, we said, hey, why don't you text and see if he can come up after his service so everyone can meet him as well. But anyway, we just wanted to celebrate that as a church family. And uh, yes. And so... uh, if, you, if you've been married any length of time, you know, pray for them. <laughs> if you've planned weddings, pray for them, right? Uh, so we're, we're just, we're, this is part of what we get to do here, just celebrate life together and do the journey together. And so we're very excited for you and excited to be able to share that.